Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning. How are y'all? Dry? Wet? All the above? Yeah, yeah. My name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor here, and and uh, I'm very excited that we get to gather together again. Um, and today, I want to continue something that we started last week. Uh, we started to talk about last week when the kids were in here. We had the baptism family dedications. If you're here, is a really, really super sweet uh, service. If you didn't have, if you weren't here and haven't had a chance to watch or listen to it, please go back and do that. It was it was really fun, and preferably watch it because then you get to see the the baptisms and the children's dedications, and those were really sweet. My sermon was not the highlight of the service. I mean, it was fun. Thank you for agreeing. Um, it, was, it, was, it was fun, but what we talked about is we talked about this experiment that we see in Ecclesiastes. We talked about this, this experiment that Solomon, our teacher, did, where, where we had this bucket up here, and we talked about how we all have this God-shaped hole in our soul. And that anything can fit in that bucket, but only one thing fills that bucket. And that what fills that bucket is a relationship with God through Jesus. And what I've been praying for us today as we take that idea and, and see where Ecclesiastes takes it with us, takes us with it, is, is that we all leave here today with some clarity, specifically about what season of life that we're in, right? And what possibilities are in that season. Not just what obstacles and what limitations, but what possibilities are in that season. And why, is, why am I praying this? Because, because here's, here's what I've experienced, here's what I know many of you have experienced, is, is, is when we meet Jesus in that season of life that we're in, when we let Jesus fill that God-shaped hole in our soul, he does meet us in whatever season we're in, and he changes us. In that season, he doesn't leave us the same. And this is true whether we like the season of life that we're in or where we don't. He may not change our season, but he does change us. And that's what I want us to all be open to. And so, so what we're going to do today is we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Um, as we work our way through Ecclesiastes, here's what Solomon, our teacher, keeps wanting us to do. is He keeps wanting us to evaluate our life. Right? He keeps wanting us to, to take our life and run it through the grid of God's word, God's heart, uh, the, the, the character and, and wisdom of, of truth that is God. And he wants us to continually do that. Right? And so we talked about, we're kind of using this baseball theme because we talk about there are these times in our lives where we think they're home runs. But they really turn out to be foul balls, right? And we've used this illustration of, of you see a batter swing and hit and the ball goes up in the air and you think it's going to be out of the park. And it is, but it's out of the park in the wrong area. And it ends up landing in foul territory and how there are, are, are decisions that we make and there are paths that we take and even seasons that we find ourselves in that we look like it's a home run, but in the end, it's a foul ball. And how do we know? Because it doesn't satisfy us. It just leaves us disappointed and it leaves us in despair. Now, today's passage is going to be probably very familiar to you, right? Because today's passage has been a song, right, that I challenge you to not have it bouncing in your head as we, as we read through the passage, right? It has been on condolence cards, greeting cards. It has been used in helpful ways. It has been used in unhelpful ways. What I hope that we see today is we get to see it the way Solomon intended us to see it, as a way to evaluate our life again 
in a little bit deeper form in light of God's presence and love for us. And so, so let's dive in. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. You got the song in your head now? Just like that, right? Just like that. Right? Well, here's what our, our, our teacher, here's what Solomon is doing. is He's setting the stage for us. And he wants us to know that we're going to be talking about seasons. Now, now seasons, if this passage is unfamiliar to you, seasons, uh, Solomon isn't referring to winter, spring, summer, and fall. He's talking about uh, themes in our life, right? He's talking about seasons. And, and what I mean by this is there could be days, weeks, months, even years, sometimes decades, where there is a continual theme through your life. That is what Solomon is talking about as a season, right? Like maybe you're a student, right? And you have these weeks that are back-to-back of tests and projects due, right? Like students, like you know what I'm talking about? They never spread that stuff out, do they? It all hits at the same time. And so you might be in this season of being really busy at school, right? Maybe you're married and, you're, and, you're, and your marriage is going through a really tough season, Right? Where conversations are hard, communication is hard, everything about the relationship is just hard. That is a season. Right? Maybe you're single and you haven't dated anybody for a while and so you're kind of in a dry season. Right? And you're ready for some rain on that season. Right? But it's a season. Maybe life is really good for you right now. Right? And you're very grateful it's a season. And as we go through this list, here's what we're going to see these seasons divided into. I got the whiteboard out, so, so I might get a little teacherish on this. Um, I don't know what it is. I was a school teacher. There's that. Uh, I taught third and fourth grade, and, and I've said this before, but, but one of the things that's prepared me for teaching was being a third grade teacher, because you know what? There's a whole lot of similarities between, between teaching third graders, and no offense, y'all. Right? Teaching methods or teaching methods. So, so because Ecclesiastes keeps talking about this teacher all the time, I feel like it's kind of bringing this out in me. But, but here's what Solomon is going to do. He's going to divide these seasons into two, um, two different categories, basically. Uh, one category is going to be delight. And the other category is, I'm just going to call it distress. Does distress have two S's there? Distress. Great. All my spell check. It doesn't have a red line when I write it on the board. So I don't know. I don't know if that's how you spell it or not. Right? But these next six verses are very straightforward. And what we're going to do is we're going to do some short interaction. Right? So I've got all these seasons up here on these little pieces of paper. And what I'm going to want you to do is to tell me you're going to point this way if it's delight and you're going to point this way if it's distress, and I'm going to put them up on the board, and you'll see why in a minute. All right? So, so the first one is for everything there is a season, there is a time. And the first one is to plant. Right? What do you think? Yeah, very good. Very good. All right. So this one is delight. Um, how many of you planted stuff Mother's Day weekend, and now it's drowning? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it also is a season to pluck what has been planted, delightful or stressful, distressful. Ah, a little mix. I'm going to put it over here because that fits. That's what I have in my notes. That's what I'm going to put it over here. How about a time to heal? 
Delight or distress? Yeah, over here, okay? Okay, y'all got y'all to gotta jump in so, we, so nobody gets bored. All right, a time to heal or how about this one, a time to kill? Yeah, that's a little distressful, don't you think? Yeah. All right, how about a time to be born? Delightful, unless you're the one birthing. Um, yeah, delightful. Um, a time to die. Distressful, yeah. A time to deal with death. Uh, a season to build up. Delightful, good. Are you seeing a little pattern here that Solomon's doing? And what I'm going to do too is after this, make an observation on this. And then a time to break down. Good, good. Okay, those of you who aren't pointing, let's, let's work with it. All right. A time to laugh. Oh, there, I got you. Okay, everybody knows that one. All right, a time to weep. Yeah. How about this? A time to dance. Not in every church, but, you know. <laughs> time to dance. you're new to fellowship, I, I do tend to have a little sense of humor. A time to mourn. Yep. Okay, now don't get too comfortable because he is going to play it, switch it around here a little bit. A time to gather. All right. And then a time to cast away. What do you think? Okay, I'm losing you. Stay with me, people. Stay with me. I promise this will all pan out. All right, a time to embrace. That's the PG-13 version. Actually, nowadays, that'd be just the G version. Uh, PG-13 would go ahead and say what that is. Um, a time to refrain from embracing. Because y'all know this doesn't mean hug, right? This, right? Did y'all know? Did y'all know what this means? It means sex. All right, do y'all do y'all's family have whisper words? My the family I grew up in had lots of whisper words, and sex was one of them. Okay, a time to seek. To seek what has been lost, and a time to loose, to lose, to loose. A time to keep. Where are we? Yep, y'all are doing good, doing good. A time to cast away. Over there, yep. A time to sow. Where? Yeah, okay, I agree. Yep, 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 yep. And a time to tear. What do you think? Yep, good. We don't have too many more of these, I promise. A time, oh, this, is, this one's fun. Okay, a time to speak. All the extroverts say, over here. All the introverts go, I'm not even going to point because I know what he wants and I don't want to call attention to myself. A time to speak. Yeah, this one's kind of up for grabs. We'll just stick it over here because I'm an extrovert. All right. A time to be silent. Yes. Yes. 
put it over here. All the, all the introverts go, no, no, no. <laughs> a time to love. Very good. And a time to hate. Now, the biblical definition of hate means to pass over. It doesn't mean to make social media posts about things. It means just to pass over them. A time for peace. Yeah. And finally, a time for war. Yeah. So, here's, what, here's what's interesting about this. I'll just stick it over here. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Give yourself a round of applause. Y'all did good. Y'all did good. Here, here's, here's my observation about this. As Solomon goes through this list of seasons, and granted, this isn't an exhaustive list. We could come up with more, but, but do you see, like, a lot of life fits into these seasons, right? A lot of life does. And, and as Solomon goes through that, here's my observation. Has Solomon put any judgment on any of these seasons? Like, did he say, did, 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 did he say, like, 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 you know, like, like a time to be born, which is good, and a time to die, which is evil? No, he is just listing the seasons. Now, our titles, Delight and Despair, might give a little bit of judgment to it, but I meant it just to be descriptive and because they both began with D and, and, and it worked, Right? Right? There's no judgment on planting or plucking what has been planted. Both happen. One may be more delightful than the other. One may be more distressful than the other. But there's no judgment from God on those things. That if there are seasons of life that are happening around you, if it's a theme of your life, there's no judgment on that. There's no moral absolute on that. It is a season. Now, here's why this is important. Because as humans, we like to put judgment where God hasn't. Right? We like to put judgment on this. Because how many of you looked at this word right here, war, and when I said there's no judgment on it, that hits you a certain way. Either you said amen or you said oh no. Right? Because there's something in us that wants to put judgment on on the seasons of life, particularly that others are going through, and sometimes the seasons of life that we're going through. But here in the Scripture, God doesn't place judgment on it. And let's be clear. God does put judgment on things. I'm not saying God doesn't exercise his right of judgment. He certainly does. He's very clear on his position of extramarital affairs. Right? Of embracing someone outside of marriage between a, a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. He's very clear on that. Right? But for a husband and wife going through a relationship, there will be seasons where they embrace and seasons where they don't. And there's no judgment on that. Right? Even in some of these categories, if done outside of God's command, if done outside of God's will, there will be judgment. For example, to all of our extroverts that were so ready to put speaking as a delight, right? God's word says actually our speaking can be sinful at times, right? 
Because Proverbs 17.5 says this. It says, whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. Right? He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Right? Now here's why this is important. If we think wrongly about the season that we're in, y'all, this is, where, this is where Solomon wants us to evaluate our life. But, like, if we think wrongly about the season we're in, we will shape wrong beliefs about God in that season. Right? If we put judgment where God doesn't put judgment, we will come up with wrong conclusions about who God is. Right? That false judgment will create false beliefs in us, in you, in me, about the character and the truth of God. If we're in a season of distress and we place judgment on it, right? we might see it as this season of distress is punishment from God. Right? I have done something evil, and so I am going to confess and repent of everything I can imagine to make this season stop. But it doesn't stop. It keeps going. And so, so the thought is this misplaced judgment. If I'm going through a season of distress, and, and this is God's judgment, false, judge, false, false judgment, this is God's punishment of me, what happens is we begin to have this false belief that God doesn't love me. Because of this season that I'm in, how could he, if he's going to punish me this hard, how could he love me? If I'm doing everything I can and it's not resolving anything, certainly God has ignored me and doesn't love me. See how false judgment creates these false beliefs. We can even turn our judgment outward and if we see someone being in a season of being cast away, right? This distressful season. Like Asheville... um, just to expose kind of my, you know, to, to let you in on kind of my thoughts sometimes, and God is working me on it. You know, Asheville has a pretty big homeless population, right? You, you, you've seen them. You've been around. Different communities ship their homeless here to Asheville because as a city, we take pretty good care of people that are in this season of distress. When I see someone that's homeless, there are thoughts in my head and my heart that don't line up with God's word. Because in my head, in my heart, I may think they deserve this life. I may think that, that, that the life choices that they've made have brought them to this season of distress, have brought them to this season of homeliness. As a matter of fact, I'll even say, I bet they like it. That's wrong judgment. It's false judgment. And it leads to this false belief about God because it's very easy for me to believe then that, you know, if God's punishing them, if God's, if, if they're choosing this or if their life choices have brought them to this place and this is God just, just, just punishing them to try and get them to repent, then here's where I land on that. Then I land on this false belief about God that some people don't deserve God's blessing because of the choices they made. Y'all, do you know what's different between some of the choices I've made in my past and some of the choices my homeless friends that I've gotten to know have made in their past? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot of difference. And I bet if you sat down with someone and heard their story, there wouldn't be a whole lot of difference in the choices you've made and the choices they've made. There'd be some, but they'd all be in the same category. You see how false judgment can create false beliefs about God. 
But here's the deal. It's just not seasons of distress where we can place judgment where God doesn't. When we're in a season of delight, we can also have this false judgment, right? This season of delight can be just as dangerous because seasons of delight, if, if there's false judgment on it, it can create this growing self-righteousness in us that life must be good for me right now because I am a good person, right? I have made the right choices. God is pleased with me, which is why everything is going great right now. False judgment on the season which creates a false belief about God because then the false belief is God rewards those who are good in their own eyes. Right? God's reward for being faithful is a nice, easy life. Fortunately, that doesn't line up with the entire New Testament. Right? Where being faithful is marked by the suffering of the saint, not the easy life of the saint. You see, placing judgment where God doesn't leads us to sin. That's why this is important. Now, another question for you to do is, as I put these up there, I want you to take just a minute, and, and what season are you in, right? Genuinely, are you in a season of delight? Are you in a season of distress? What season are you specifically in? Like, what is the theme going on in your life right now? Because right, here's what we're going to do. Our teacher wants us to know what season that we're in because he wants us to know something about that season that we're in. Look at, look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And so each of these seasons... Y'all look at this. Each of these seasons up here, when seen without judgment, when seen without being good or evil, can actually be seen as beautiful. Does that like blow your mind a little bit when you look at some of these distressful seasons? And Solomon is teaching us that no, these, these seasons of life can be beautiful. Sound difficult? Particularly if you're in a season of distress. Well, look at what Solomon does. He wants, us, he wants us to know something about that season. He wants to show us more. Look at the rest of verse 11. It says, also, he has put eternity in the hearts of man, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And so what he's doing is he's saying, listen, remember that God-shaped hole in your soul that I was talking about? God's placed that in us. And in that God-shaped hole in your soul is this desire to make connections, is this desire to, to add meaning to those connections. Like literally, your brain is wired to make connections. If you were to walk into this room and half this carpet was green and half this carpet was red, when you noticed it, because for some people it might take a while, but when you noticed it, your brain would start trying to figure out why. Why is half this room green? Why is half this room red? And then your brain would start coming up with all these reasons why it's that way. God has designed humanity to work this way. And what Solomon knows is when he says all of these seasons can be beautiful, he's like saying, whoa, 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 now hold on, hold on. I know right now you're trying to figure out the why. And he says, let me show you why every season is beautiful. That this, 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 this divine curiosity that we have, it has its limits. We can't know what God knows. 
We just can't. And so what do we do is we have God's word to show us what God knows. And our task is to follow his lead and, and to rely on the, his word and the Holy Spirit to teach us and to, and to follow him and to not get ahead of him. But here's what our teacher wants us to know about these seasons. Verse 12. It says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. This is God's gift to man. So the season that we're in, whatever season you identify that you're in, that season is beautiful because that season is a gift to you. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but anybody in a season that doesn't feel like a gift right now, that's why Solomon has written this. That's why God has given us this truth. You see, when we place judgment where God hasn't, a gift can seem like punishment, and punishment can turn into this season of punishment. Now, punishment by God, I do believe, is brought on. Like, I don't think God doesn't punish us. I think he does lovingly discipline us. And here's the difference between a season and that. Because when God is disciplining you, when you acknowledge that sin, that's what confession is, is you call it what God calls it, sin, and then you repent of that sin, which means to turn away, guess what? Things change. Now, you may be dealing with the consequences of that decision For days, weeks, months, even years, maybe the rest of your life, the consequences are there. But when you repent and turn back to God, things change. A season isn't affected by your repentance. A season is what's happening around you. A season is this gift that God has given you. And so what does our teacher counsel? He counsels us to be joyful and do good. He counsels us to see the season you're in as the beauty that it is, as the gift that it is, and continue doing good for others. Continue living out the good news. And to see it as a gift that it is, because when you see it as a gift, it is full of possibilities, no judgment. And our role, then, is to do what we do in the gift-giving process. And what we do, when somebody gives you a gift, what do you do? You receive it right? You open it, and we receive each season as beautiful because guess what? God gives it to us. The season is beautiful because God gives it. Now, I got to tell you, my mother-in-law loves to give gifts, but she is awful at it, right? And Carolyn, if you're listening, let me explain because she does listen. Um, uh, let me tell you what I mean. One Christmas, because she does, she, she loves giving gifts, right? One Christmas, um, I opened this Christmas present from her, and it had these four large coffee mugs in them. And I do what you do when you get a coffee mug. You pick it up, you hold it in your hand, and you imagine that it's warm, and then you turn around, hold it the other way. When I turned it around, I saw her lipstick on one of them the one that I was holding. Now, here's what I could have done. I could have focused on the fact that this was obviously a re-gift, right? That she bought them for herself or somebody gave them to her and she put her tea and cream in it and she sat down to have it and she drank her tea and didn't like the mug because it didn't fit her hand and it was all the stuff. And so she thought, Fred will love this. And so she re-gifted it. I could choose to focus on the lipstick and get mad. 
Or I could have chosen to focus on the gift and the heart of the giver and just receive it. I didn't like the mugs either. I took them to Goodwill. But, <laughs> but you know what we did? I just held up the mug and showed it to her and we laughed, right? Because I knew, it was, I knew where her heart was. And her heart was to be generous, right? No matter what season you're in, it is a gift from God because God has something for you in that season. He has possibilities ahead of you that couldn't have happened without being in that season because the heart of the giver, the heart of God is good. And he is a good gift giver. Now church, hear me on this. I fully believe that we as a church, that you as a person here at Fellowship Asheville, that I truly believe that we are all capable to receive whatever season we're in to receive it as the gift that God is giving us. The good ones and the stressful ones, the delightful ones and the distressful ones. And I believe we're capable to do that if we see them the way God sees them, without judgment and as this beautiful gift that's actually full of possibilities. You see, seeing each season as God's beautiful gift allows us to see what possibilities are in that season instead of what limits are in that season. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, for I perceive that whatever God endures, that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor nothing taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, and that which will be already has been. God seeks what has been driven away. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? All right, Solomon has a touch of the poetic. Right? He says, whatever God does endures forever. The way the NIV translates it is God will call the past to account. In other words, in other words you see, if the season we're in is a gift from God, then, then, then guess what? That no matter whether it's delightful or distressful, we can still trust God in it. That he sees all of history. What has been, what will be, has already happened to him. He sees it all. And in his infinite wisdom, and in his infinite goodness, he has put this season around you, whatever season it is. Because in that season, he has something for you. And so no matter the season, we trust God in that season. Now what Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said, you trust in God? Great. Trust in me also. And so whatever season that you're in, you can meet Jesus in that season. And you can walk with him in that season. You see, church, we aren't designed to go through a delightful season or a distressful season all on our own. We are, decided, we are, we are designed to go with it, with that God-shaped hole in our soul filled with God, filled with Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, using and, and leaning on his word through whatever season, whether it's delightful or whether it's distressful. That is how we're made as humans. You see, we're not designed to go through a season without Jesus. We need God we need Jesus. We need his Holy Spirit in every season of life that we're in. Do you all agree with that? Yeah. You see, if you find yourself overwhelmed, stressed out, or overly judgmental on yourself, if you have a counselor telling you to be kind to yourself, right, then you need Jesus. 
You need to trust God. And for some of you, that means to invite Jesus to fill that God-shaped hole in your soul and to say yes to him. And for those of us who have, maybe this next thing that we're going to do can help you with this. Because here's what we're going to do. All right. Introverts, brace yourself. Extroverts, I'm going to need you to stay focused. All right? Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to break up into small groups for about five, well, probably about seven minutes. I want you to get in groups of four or five. If you've got a family that's four or five, I want you to mix your family around with others. All right? All right? Because y'all talk to each other all the time. I want you to sit in groups, and I'm going to put some questions up that I want you to do in groups. First thing I'm going to want you to do is introduce yourself so everybody knows who's sitting there. And literally, let's do groups of four or five, or else this will take too long, okay? So, so get into groups of four or five. As a matter of fact, go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead and... and Amy just got these chairs all straightened out, but that's okay. Just move them around, move them around, or turn around, get in groups of four or five, Donald, and you too. Go on. All right, when you get in groups of four or five, I'll tell you what we're going to do. All right, I see. Rule breakers, okay, it's fine. It's fine. My wife's in that group, so I guess y'all get a pass. All right. All right. Okay. So what, what I want you to do first, all right, is everybody in a group? I want you to introduce yourself. I'm going to go ahead and go around them all. If we can, do we have all the things on one slide? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Here's what I want you to do. First, I want you to go around, introduce yourself. This is quick. Say your name. All right. We don't need to know your, your origin story. Just say your name, right? So, so everybody can hear it. We'll do our best to remember it. Everybody can hear it. Then I want you to go around again and say real quickly, extroverts, again, focus. All right? Real quickly, what your season? What season of life are you in? Listen, you can be very general and just say, I'm in a season of delight or I'm in a season of distress because I know some of y'all, like you're in some really tough seasons. Right? And, and for you to explain the season of, that you're in, we would, we would be here for a while. And so you can keep it general if you want, or you can just pick a season and be specific. And you don't have to give super, you don't have to give a whole lot of details. Just identify your season so everyone in the group knows. And then go back around real quick and answer this question Where do you find it hard to trust God in your season? Where do you find it hard to trust God in your season? And then you can also answer that next question. What are the possibilities that God is giving you in that season? Not just the limits, but what possibilities are ahead of you? And then, and then we'll close in prayer, and I'll close us down in prayer because I have another thing for us to do in prayer. So, so let's do all of that in five minutes. See what I mean, extroverts? Focus. Focus. Introverts, I'm proud of you. Nobody left the room. Good job. All right, go. If it takes that long, is I want, some groups this will obviously take longer than others, and that's okay. But I want everyone to pray for someone in the group. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go around the group and pray for the person on your right. Okay? Pray for the person on your right. Now, for some of you, praying out loud is easy and simple. For some of you, praying out loud will be very scary, and that's okay. This is a safe place. Some of you, maybe you've never prayed out loud around other people ever before in your life. 
well, welcome to the first time. <laughs> right? You can do this. It is just talking to God. Nobody's grading you. There is no judgment on you. You talk to God as if he is in, right next to you because guess what? He is. And he hears you and he loves you. And so no matter where you are on the comfort level of praying out loud, everybody pray for the person to your right. Got it? Okay. Go ahead. And then I'll close this down in about four minutes. Jesus, uh, there is beauty in hearing a church praying together. There is, there is this beautiful sound of, of murmuring as the church prays. And, and we know that uh, all of these words do not fall on a deaf God but they fall on a God who hears, and he hears because he loves. And so, God, I pray that all of these prayers that were said, that you would move in them, that you would show us all the, 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 the beauty in the season that we're in, the good seasons and the tough seasons, and that that beauty would come from this church, those with us today meeting with you in that season, and that it would change everything. In Christ's name we pray, amen.